0: During any political season, we have grown accustomed now to hearing some words such as sincerity, integrity, unity, honesty, traditional values. (laughs) And then on the other side of the ledges, of course, we hear words like uh, hypocrisy, dishonesty, lack of integrity, disingenuineness, which I really didn't know what it means, I had to look it up, and basically it's a nice way of saying lying. (laughs) That's what it is. And I focused on this and thought about this in the light of the beatitude that we are going to look to in a minute. And it is some of it, and I'm not saying all of it, but some of it is really man's attempt to try to be good without God. And as we have been seeing throughout this series of sermons on the Master's Manifesto, that it is impossible to be good without God. Without the basis for integrity, all of our talk is just that. Without the foundation of honesty, what we have is a building without the foundation. Without the anchor for purity and goodness, we have a ship that's adrift. Without knowing the reason for singleness of purpose and undivided hearts, we have a bunch of hot air. (laughs) All the talk about character, without personally knowing the author and the giver of character is as hollow as an empty shell. And that is what the sixth beatitude in Matthew 5, 8 is all about. Turn to it with me in your Bibles. Matthew 5, 8. We are in the midst of this series of sermons entitled, The Master's Manifesto, looking at the beatitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This beatitude, if you focus on it just for an even short period of time, you realize that it encompasses the whole Bible. This beatitude is as vast as the scripture itself. This beatitude is what the Christian faith is all about. It is impossible to deal with it just in one message, but I'm going to try. But I must tell you at the outset what I have said before. That pure in heart does not mean sinlessness. If that is the case, none of us are going to see God. In fact, there are some people who took that word to mean pure in heart in all traditions, Catholic as well as Protestants. And they began to devise ways and theology of sinlessness. As you know, there's so many people went into the monasteries and they thought if they live out in a monastery as monks and nuns, they will avoid the impurities of the world and they'll become pure in heart. Martin Luther discovered otherwise. In fact, I heard about a businessman who was fed up with the world. He was fed up with his business. He was fed up with the sinfulness of the world. And finally, he decided to give up everything and go to a monastery. He wanted to go to this particular order of monasteries known as the order of silence. He needed silence in his life. He thought this is how he can achieve purity, just absolute quietness. When he got into that order, they gave him the rules. They say, you allow two words every five years. You can only speak two words every five years. So if one five years have passed, and he was brought in before the abbot and his assistant, they motioned him to speak. And he said, more food. <laughs> five years. Another five years have passed. Now it's ten years. He came back in front of the abbot. And he was given the chance of have his two words. And he said, more water. Another five years have passed. Now it's fifteen years. You're good with math. <laughs> fifteen years have passed. By that time, he had silence. I mean, he had it up to his eyeballs. And he blew up at the abbot. He said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I have had it. I have asked for more food. I didn't get it. I asked for more water. I didn't get it. I'm out of here. Forget it. This is not for me. And then he took off. Then the abbot looked at his assistant. He said, what's wrong with him? He did nothing but complain since he got here. <laughs> Escaping the world will not make you pure in heart. Not in the way Jesus means it anyway. So what is the heart? Let's begin with that first, from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible mean by the heart? You cannot read the scripture without realizing that the heart means several things. For example, in John chapter 14, when Jesus said to the disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. It is a clear indication that the heart is the center of emotions. When Jesus said to the Pharisees in Mark chapter 2 and verse 8, Why do you question thus in your heart? is a clear indication that the heart is the center of our intellect. When the Bible said in Daniel chapter 8, That Daniel has purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the food of the king. The Bible clearly indicates that the heart is the seat of our will. So, when the Bible speaks of the heart, it means the master control switch of our whole being. When the Bible speaks of the heart, the Bible speaking about the command center of all areas of our lives. And not just that little organ that pumps blood into your body. No wonder Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows all the springs of life. And in Psalm 51, the psalmist said, Create in me clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Why? Because the heart in the Bible is the command center. But you know what that will do? Because it is the command center, therefore it becomes the very source of our trouble. It becomes the very heart of our trouble. Jeremiah tells us in 17.9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jesus, the Lord himself, said in Matthew 15.19, from out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, slander. These are all things that defile a person. And back at the time of Jesus, whom he was addressing those initial words, the Pharisees and the scribes, they specialized on the externals. The Pharisees and the scribes practiced outward purity. And Jesus was trying to get them to focus on inward purity. The Pharisees and the scribes were practicing outward cleansing. And Jesus was emphasizing the inward cleansing. The scribes and the Pharisees were practicing ceremonial washing. And Jesus taught his disciples the importance of inward washing. The Pharisees and the scribes were concentrating on what people say, what people think. And Jesus told his disciples, be concerned of what God thinks and what God says. It's like the preacher of yesteryears by the name of Thomas K. Beecher. That in his church they had a a big clock. And the clock was always running slow. So, Reverend Beecher decided to put a placard right on top of the clock. It says, don't blame my hands, the trouble lies deeper. (laughs) With all of our problems, we often look at the hands, look at the externals, look at the outside surrounding circumstances, when the problem is deeper within what does it mean to be pure in heart then? If the heart is the seat of emotions, it's the seat of intellect, if the heart is the seat of the will, what does it mean to be pure in heart? The Greek word that is used here, the word katharsis, from which we get the English word catharsis, which means to make pure, means to cleanse. Doctors use that word when they talk about cleansing of the body. Even psychiatrists use the word when they're talking about cleansing of one's emotions of destructive attitudes. But then there's a second meaning of the word. And the second meaning is this it means unmixed, it means unadulterated. In Acts chapter 15, verse 9, tells us that there is a spiritual catharsis that cleanses the heart. In 1 John 1 7, The Bible tells us that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. What does it mean to be unmixed? What does it mean to be unadulterated? It means pure. What does that mean? Listen carefully. It means purity of motives. Purity of motives. God sees our motives. It means single mindedness. It means undivided commitment. It means spiritual integrity. It means that we must live not by the standards of the world, but the standards of God. In fact, in classical Greek, that same word is referred to metals when they get refined and become pure. It always referred to gold after it's been put in the furnace and the dross melted away and removed and then you end up with the pure gold. It is referred to the unadulterated milk that is not mixed with water, been cheated on. It is used to refer to the wheat after the chaff has been removed and you got nothing but the wheat itself. And this is the opposite of duplicity. It is the opposite Of double mindedness. It is the opposite of double talk. It is the opposite of forked tongue. It is the opposite of pragmatism. It is the opposite of compromise. It is the opposite of divided heart. Please hear me right. This is important. Double mindedness is not only plaguing political leadership, it is invading the church. It is coming into the very church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the problem with too many Christians is this. They think that they can meet God on Sunday morning in the church. And then they meet the devil for the rest of the week. (laughs) That is divided mind. That is a divided heart. That is a mixed motive. And that is the source of our problems. Because the word of God is very clear. That the God of Sunday is the God of Monday. Monday. That the God in the church is the God in the office. the God in the church who's the God who's in the kitchen. That the God who's in the church is the God in the boardrooms where decisions are made. That the God who's in the church is the same God in the factory shop. That the very God who's in the church is the same God who is in your social gatherings. The God of the church is the same God in your private moments. And the divided mind and the divided heart has created a Sunday Christian who's a poor Christian at best. We have created a number of masks that we keep in our lives, and we wear them very well. We wear them effectively and efficiently. Here's a religious mask, and I wear that on Sunday and in a special meetings and Then I have a party mask and I wear it when I'm in parties. And then I have a business mask and I put that mask on when I'm conducting business. And and then I have a a mask for my private time and, and I wear that mask. No, no, no. No wonder our church is not making an impact upon the world today. The divided mind and the divided heart are not honoring to God. I don't know what made me think of that old story that I heard many years ago. I guess when I was... Focusing on this passage particularly, it's an old tavern who decided one day to move to the other side of town. There's a bar, a nightclub, and then when it became vacant, a church decided to lease the tavern, the old tavern, at least for a few months and make use of it. So they turned the bar section into a pulpit, and then where people will normally sit at the nightclub, this is where they put the congregation and had a part for the choir and the owner of this tavern cleared everything that belongs to him before he left, except for one thing. He left behind a talking parrot. <laughs> so the first Sunday morning when the church was about to begin, <laughs> the bird was sitting still in a the corner there in his cage. And no sooner than the preacher stood up at the now bartender pulpit, <laughs> than he squirked and said, Say, look here, <laughs> we have a new bartender. Then when the choir entered in, the parrot said, a new floor show, a new floor show. (laughs) And then when the members start coming in, all the members of the church were coming, the parrot arked. he said, same old crowd, same old crowd, same old crowd. (laughs) (laughs) There are some Christians who really think that they can serve God and the world all at the same time. And the Bible said that's impossible. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You have to love one and hate the other. James said that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. And then he goes on in chapter 4 verse 4 to give us the answer. He said here's the solution. Cleanse your hands. Purify your heart you double minded people. Purity of the heart is more than just sincerity. You could be sincerely wrong. I am convinced that the road to hell is paved with sincerity. The prophets of Baal were sincere as they could be when they opposed Elijah. And they cried to Baal to hear them. They were cutting their skin. They were torturing themselves. They were brutalizing their bodies. Baal, hear us, O Baal. Hear us, O Baal. Trying to ask Baal to send fire to consume their sacrifice. But there is no Baal. Read First King chapter 18. Their sincerity did not help them one bit. There are some people that you probably have seen on television. They crawl on their knees for yards and yards until they bleed just to show their sincere devotion to a saint. And yet their sincerity is worthless. The scribes and the Pharisees thought that they can please God They thought that they could honor God by a long list of externals of do's and don'ts. And Jesus said to them, it is the heart that I'm after. Jeremiah said even of old, God is after your heart. Jesus said to them, to the Pharisees and the scribes, He said to them, you know, you're like a sepulcher. In the Middle East, you don't bury people in the ground. You build a tomb, and then you bury people in it. And on a regular basis, folks would go on and paint that building where their relatives are buried with white. That's called whitewashing. He said, you are like sepulcher. You're like a tomb. You are white on the outside, clean on the outside. But in the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Head religion will not cut it. Hand religion alone will not cut it. Only a heart that is turned to God that will empower and impact the head and empower and impact the hands to faithfully serve the living God. Why? Because the heart is the seat of intellect. It is the seat of emotions. It is the seat of the will. And that's what integrity means. Hear me right, please. Integrity is when your heart and your hand and your head are all integrated and they're not out of order. Integrity is when what you say you believe and the way you live your life are integrated and not out of whack. That's what integrity means. It is like a hand in the glove. It is like spokes in the wheel. They both are in total harmony. Lack of integrity comes when the two are out of whack. A story told about an old deacon. He always showed up on a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And he always prayed the same prayer. Lord, get rid of the cobwebs in my life. Wednesday in and Wednesday out. Week after week, month after month. Until another deacon who lived next door to him, who knew what an inconsistent rascal he was, He just couldn't help it. A few months later, he was in that same prayer meeting and the man was yelling out to God to clean the cobwebs and he said, don't do it, Lord, don't do it. Tell him to kill the spider. (laughs) What we need is to clean the spiders in our lives. That's what pure in heart means. Well, very quickly, I want to tell you about four types of purity that the Bible talks about. First type of purity is the primal purity. That is purity that is God's alone. Only God and His existence, He alone has that type of purity. Secondly, there is a created purity. And that created purity was created in the Garden of Eden, which was corrupted by the fall. Then thirdly, the Bible talks about positional purity. And a positional purity is a purity in the heart that is given to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you turn your heart to Jesus Christ, your heart is regenerated. The Bible said that by the Spirit and the power of God's Holy Spirit, you have been born again. And from the day that you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, the Father sees you the way He sees the Son. Because He sees you through the Son perfectly righteous, and without blemish. Hebrews 9:14, 2 Corinthians five twenty one. I want to quote them now. This purity is a gift from God. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't earn it. It is a gift from God. And without that, you'll never make it to heaven. Without that, you will never see God. Then there is a fourth type of purity. And that purity is for the believers in Jesus Christ. And that fourth purity is daily purity. Daily purifying. This purity comes from God. But only you can receive it when you cooperate with God. It is a joint effort, if you like. God is the author of it. But you must be open to it. You must seek it with all your heart. You must develop it and pray and seek God to give you that gift of daily purity. And that is why the Apostle Paul implores the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, he said, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. That is exactly why the Apostle Peter pleads with the Christians in 1 Peter 1.14. As obedient children, don't be conformed to your former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy because He is holy. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. How does the pure in heart see God? Through the eyes of faith, we see him now. But the day is coming when we're we going to see him as he is. We're going to see him face to face. You cannot hear anybody singing about heaven, and your heart does not long for heaven. There's something wrong with your Christian walk. We're going to see him as he is. The pure in heart see God today at least in three different ways. First of all, they see him in creation. The psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the feminine shows his handiwork. Despite of the sin that's in the world, despite of failure that's in the world, despite of moral failure that's in the world, this still God's creation, don't you forget it. God created this world. He made this world. This is his world. This is his creation. This is his handiwork. You can see his signature everywhere. You can see his fingerprints all over the galaxies. You can see his footprints in the rivers and in the mountains and in the sunshine and in the oceans. Secondly, the pure in heart are able to see God in all circumstances. When you have a pure heart, you are able to see God in your personal life. In all the events in your personal life. Even in the moments that you don't understand. Even in the moments that are not explainable. Even in the moments of suffering. In the moments of difficulties. In the moments of pain. You see the hand of God. Because you know that He's a sovereign God. That He loves you. That He's working all events and all circumstances to bless you. That is how you see the hand of God. But thirdly, you see the hand of God in His Word. When you read the Scripture... You can see how the events, all the events in history were totally under his control. History is shaped and molded to serve his purpose. The promise was given to Abraham took 400 years to be fulfilled, but it was fulfilled nonetheless. The history, the vision that was shown to Daniel took hundreds of years to become history, but it became history nonetheless. The prophecies regarding Jesus Christ coming into this world that were given to Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ, every one of them was fulfilled. And then we see him in the New Testament, clearly in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please hear me right of what I'm going to tell you. When you begin to see God, you will also begin to see what God sees. When the great men of God and women of God, when they saw what God saw, they were struck with awe. Abraham saw himself from God's eyes, and and he called himself dust and ashes. When Job saw himself from God's eyes, he said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Peter fell on his face At the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When Paul was able to see himself from God's eyes, he said of himself, I am the least of the saints and the chief of sinners. God is not your little pal down the street that you can treat him and take him for granted. Hear me right? I believe with all my heart that spiritual sight, spiritual sight leads to spiritual insight. Spiritual sight leads to spiritual insight. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Woe to me, for I am undone. You know, God is the only one who's able to know our hearts perfectly. We didn't even know our own hearts you know, we tend to judge one another, and most often we tend to misjudge one another. But only God who can really sees us as we are. I want to ask you this Are you able to see God in all the circumstances in your life? Are you able to see God's hand in every event in your life? Even in the midst of pain and suffering, are you able to see God? Even in the times when you don't understand what's going on, are you able to see God? If not, let me ask you this. Is your life a life of integrity? Or are you living five different lives all at the same time? Is your life a life that is a life of a consistent Christian living? Or is it a life of rationalizing impurities in your life? Is your life a life of singleness of purpose or are you scattered all over the map? Is your life's clear direction, is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in your business, in your home, in your social life? Is the clear purpose the glory of God or is it using Jesus and his church to achieve worldly purposes? Only you can answer those questions as only me can answer those questions for myself. God's Holy Spirit, who is invoked and invited to be present here, is present in the life of his believers. And if the Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to you through these simple words, my urging of you is, don't silence him. Don't put it off. Examine me and examine my heart, O God, and see if there's a sin within me. Cleanse me with the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Father, let it be said of us that we are men and women who are pure in heart, whose only purpose in life is your glory and serving you to the best of our abilities. Father, we know that sometimes we don't see God. Is because of all the cobwebs and the spiders that we keep in our hearts. We ask you to cleanse us, wash us afresh. For Jesus' sake and in his name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org org.